This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Yeah, okay. Moshe Rabbeinu, Perik Eishmini. So it finished off dealing with all the prophets and speaking about what prophecy is normally like and the difference between Moses' prophet and everybody else's prophecy and how it is and why it is that we believe a prophet and so on. We don't, we did not believe in Moshe because of the signs and the miracles that he did. Because when you believe through a sign, you have some sort of misgivings always. It could be done through magic or through some sort of trick or something like that. So the, the, this first point is remarkable because it's kind of a, a very divergent path from other religions. Other religions you expect that um, you expect that it's based on the great miracles and the wonders and so on. We, we don't, no, we, we don't uh, believe in Moshe because of the miracles or anything like that. Um, and he says because it could all be done through, there could be some, some issue with it. We'll get in a second, we'll, we'll talk about it more. Ella. So as far as the miracles go, the miracles he did was out of necessity. Not in order to bring proof on Mitzrim. He did to sink the Mitzrim. He tore, up, he tore open the ocean and sank them. We needed food. They were thirsty. Now, this is, generally speaking, this itself raises a problem because God could have done these things without a miracle. If we, if the idea wasn't to show something about motion that is right and is true, you know, you, you could have had the, the mitzvah could have just sort of gotten tired. They could have decided not to go after them. You could have overcome them in battle with not such spectacular means. The, the miracles were spectacular, but as it is, the Ramam says um, that they were not done for the purpose of proving anything. What did they believe? By uh, when they were at Sinai, our own eyes saw, our own ears heard, and nobody else. The fires, the sounds, the, the, the torches. He came. He went over to the um, cloud. And there was a voice talking to him. And we are the voice say Moshe, tell them the following. And it, 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 it says, God spoke to you face to face. It says, That it wasn't only our forefathers that God forged a covenant, it was with us. And how do I know that it's right, that it's only through the experience at Sinai that, 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 that was proven, that Moshe was proven to be absolutely true? 
שנאמה הנה נוכי בוא אליך באב ואונן ואבו ישמעון בדבר אימך השם said I will come to you in the thick of a cloud so that the, the nation will hear me speak with you וגם בכל ימינם בעולם and they'll believe in you מכלל שקודם דבר זה למינה בו נאמן שמרס לעולם so that so it's clear that they did not quite believe in Moshe um, a really firm belief until that point so even though it says that the, at, the, at the splitting of the ocean that they believed in Moshe but that belief was subject to review so to speak and only at Har Sinai did it stop let's pause at this a moment and let's ponder it a second first of all What's interesting is the Rambam does not base belief in God at Sinai, but rather belief in Moshe's prophecy. That's a point of interest. But what, what needs some real thought is the following. If I were playing a game, and I were lying and or cheating, and I needed to, I, I had a choice of producing two miracles. One miracle looks like this. There's a sea over here, and the sea gets split in the middle, and everybody goes through it. Everybody, the whole audience goes through it. That's A. B is, I'm standing near a mountain, there's fog, voices coming from there, and a sound coming from the, behind the fog. Moshe, come right up here. Which of the, which of the two is easier to produce? I, I would hands down produce the second one. I mean, you, you have plenty of discos that can do that. A lot of smog and voices and sounds and fires. And not so difficult to get a voice in the background to say, Moshe, Moshe, come right up here. I mean, splitting the sea and having everybody go through it, that, that's, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of um, you know, <laughs> stunt work. That's, that's not easy. So, 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 so he says, well, Kriyasiyam Suf, there was maybe an issue of maybe it was coming through some sort of um, you know uh, some sort of miracle some sort of cheating or, or, or um, performance and this is something that, that they will believe in but what's, what's the pshat over here so, so l- let's take, any, let's take I, 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 I want to give a simple muscle kind of um, uh, and then, we'll, and then uh, we'll, we'll try to get to the point I had a friend of mine whose brother liked to play with his kids. His brother was a good uncle and uh, teased his niece, nephews. And he once came to his house. I, I was there when, he, when his brother walked in and my friend's boy, I don't know, he was six years old, let's say, was there. And his uncle walks in. His uncle says to him, Chesky, this house belongs to me. He says, no, this house belongs to me. So his uncle says, the uncle says, I'll prove to your house belongs to me. And he touches the ceiling, like he tips those, he's quite tall, and he touches the ceiling, and he says, you can't touch the ceiling. So he says, I can. And he tries to jump, and then he climbs on a chair, and he climbs on the countertop, and he's, he's sort of like, and this is going back and forth. The point that the kid missed was, so what if he can touch the ceiling? That's, in what way does that prove his ownership? He, he, is, he, he, had, he focused his attention on the on the on the um, you know on, on the proof itself on the validi- on the not validity proof but on the ability to prove and 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 without essence of what's the validity let's say somebody comes along and he says god has sent me to tell you what to do and as proof of that i'm going to levitate the building and he levitates the building and let's say i'm convinced that it was a real levitation the building floated up and i don't know you know i get 
I laid down under it and I walked out and plopped the building down and well it's all wonderful how does that prove that he's God's messenger and he was sent to say something maybe maybe he could tap into some powers um, maybe the people have the ability to levitate buildings and they just know about it um, uh, imagine if somebody had an x-ray machine nobody knew what it was and I was able to tell you if your bones are broken or what's inside something I would say magic magic it's not magic at all it's, it's an x-ray machine and if you don't know about it in other words all miracles are an indirect proof to God's to God and he's sending him what's it got to do with God um, so let's say somebody comes and tells me he's a close friend of yours and he tells me all sorts of things about you. Well, maybe, maybe he happened to see you someplace and he tells me all sorts of things about it. Um, I know a true story. Um, a friend of mine's sister-in-law, she had been married, divorced rapidly. He had issues that she was dealing with and she went to see a Kabbalist that came from Israel. And the Kabbalist um, knew a lot about her, like just looking at her and seeing her, and she was astounded and put down a very nice amount of money for his blessings and like that. She later found out that her close friend had been there, asked if a friend can come. The Kabbalists had striked up a, a, a schmooze with her about friends and what she is and all her needs and so forth, and he simply was, was, was giving back to her. And this person had a Rolodex. I know this for a fact. And he was a, he was a very... I actually had liked the person. The person was a shrewd operator, um, and he was very clever. I, I actually actually I ate at my house once this Kabbalist, and I, I, I liked him because he was an older man. And he was very on the ball, and he I think in his mind he justified what he was doing because these people were wasting money anyway, and he was using all sorts of good things. But he was an operator, um, straightforward, and he just had a, and, and he accumulated. He would come to a city, and, and he whenever people made appointments, he would yeah at the end you know the, he would ask up on them. He'd bone up on them and was able to tell you all sorts of amazing things about yourself that how could you know about it? so all of these things but if I meet you and I, and and so someone tells me he's a good friend just been I see you together and you're saying to him oh Yankee you're you're the best friend I ever had you're wonderful then, then it's a personal experience could it be a put-on it could be a put-on but if it's not a put-on then what I see is a direct experience in other words at the end of the day you could come to me as an actor and dress up at somebody, but, but, but you know, but if it's not fake, then then what I have is the experience itself, rather than some sort of attempted proof of the experience. When I hear God talking to Moshe and say, Moshe, come up, I'm going to give you Torah to bring to Israel, that's a direct. That's what I experience directly. And the intensity and the level of that personal experience didn't leave room doubt. Could it be? Everything could be that it was fake. But, but, but two things. Whatever happened was a direct experience of communication with God. And the intensity of the experience doesn't, didn't leave real room in my mind. Could it be there's no yeshiva and I hired a lot of actors to sit here and to pretend they're learning? Well, it could be. But, but, but the chance for it is really, really slim. I remember watching um, a movie when I was a, a young boy. It was called 36 Hours. And it was about the Germans capturing an American officer. And they wanted to desperately find out the information from him 
if he knew about the if he knew about the um, if he knew about the plans, what they were. So it was they captured him, they um, made him unconscious, and then they built. They had a whole hospital that looked like an American hospital, and he was recovering. And well, as soon as the eyes opened up, he found a newspaper dated 35 years hence. And the whole staff was like a veteran's hospital. And now the psychiatrist would start telling him, wow, this is amazing. It's like one door opens, one door closes. Let's, let's get some of your memories back. And, let's, and tell us about you know, what you remember. And this way, you know, and so, and the healing process will start. And the idea was to pump for information. Um, in case you're very curious, the punchline was he had cut his finger right before as right before he'd been captured and he was he was taking a little salt in his finger and it started hurting and he realized this cut was there and this whole thing must be put on but but the idea was a whole city contrived it's it's great for a movie those things don't exist in reality you don't have that level so so a whole nation had a personal experience that they that they felt was the profound experience of prophecy, which is an overwhelming experience, and it hits home at the strongest sense of reality. But more than anything, it's direct. What I saw was, some, so, so if somebody comes to us and says, do you believe Jesus did all these miracles? I don't have to deny it, but the reply is, so what? The Torah itself says a prophet can come and do all sorts of miracles, and they're not, he's not a messenger from God. It's wrong what he's doing. How could it do the miracles? Well, the Torah says it's possible. Is it magic? Is it black powers? Is it fake? Is it public? Is it, is it, is it public magic? Whatever it is, the Torah itself, it's not a direct... Ex- we did not see the link of God to Jesus or to Muhammad or to John Smith or to anybody else. No one claims that he saw that. We only saw miracles. Miracles are nice, but they, they're indirect proof and therefore they, they, they don't have sticking powers. What we saw at, at, at Mount Sinai was a, direct, a, a personal direct experience. So this is what it's like to be a prophet of God and a clear sense that Moshe was being told, come up, bring down the Torah, and this is what the Jews should keep. Um, the base. Now, he, he, he therefore draws the line to other prophets. Nimtzu, The very people that he had been sent to are direct proofs, I know directly that, that he was sent to them. For instance, let's say you knock on my door and you say he sent you to collect the hundred dollars that I owe him. Should I believe you? Should I not? Maybe. And you bring me a note written from him. Okay, notes are good, but I don't really know his hand any well. Even if I do, you might have forged it. And you even tell me he said that when he came to your house, you were eating a peanut butter sandwich, and that's when he gave it $100. Did you give it back? It's good, but it's not 100%. But, but if he tells me, listen, he'll come to you and get the $100 back because I'm going on a trip. That's absolute. He told me that you're going to be the person to collect from. And even if he comes afterwards and tells me, why'd you give it to him? He ran off with the money. I said, Chabub, you're the one that, you're the one that told me to give it to him. You, he's, your, he's your agent. It's your problem, not my problem. 
So we are witness, he's the only prophet that we directly have the sense that God said, listen to him. He doesn't have to send them any signs because they had the same experience. They shared the same experience. Um, just like two witnesses saw something in Halacha. We both come and testify together and we're both testifying on our common truth. So Moshe, Moshe's, the validity of Moshe's property is because it was common with us. All of Israel testify to his integrity. This to bring a sign. So just like um, if, if he told me, together with you, He'll come and collect it, and you come to collect. I say, do you have any? Do you have any um, proof or, 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 or any any documentation? I mean, he told me in front of you. Okay, and he says now he explains the 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 the, the back and forth between Moses and the people and and and, and Hashem. V'zeo shalom la'kashbarot chilas nevo also. That was the dialogue between God and Moses in the beginning when he sent them off to, to, to do these the, the miracles. To, to do this, the miracles. And he said, you'll do these, they'll listen to you. Moshe knew that someone who believes only by signs, by some sort of indirect evidence, that person is going to have misgivings in his heart. He wasn't so keen on going because he knew people would say, yeah, 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 miracles are great, but how do we know? And he said, they're not going to believe me. What God needed to assure him was, this is a temporary pass. This is not going to be the permanent um, uh, um, uh, uh, groundings for the belief. It's only till you get out of Mitzrayim. Once they leave Egypt and they'll be in Sinai, they will no longer have any doubts. Why? I'm going to give you a type of verification. They're going to know that all along you've been the true messenger. hero, and there will be no doubt in their hearts. Who Omen? This is what the verse says. This is going to be the proof that I sent you. Because when I take out of Mitzrayim, you're going to worship God here. Now, Maimonides is actually um, explaining a very difficult verse. Moses asked, well, how did, I'm going to come today and say, God sent me. They're going to say, well, how do we know God sent you? And, and I'm going to do these things. And he says, but if they're not going to believe me. So Hashem said, well, this is the sign. After you leave Egypt, you're going to worship God on, on Mount Sinai. So the question begs itself, but the problem is before I get there, I'm going to come to them and tell them, guys, I'm about to take out of Egypt, 
and just follow me. And they're going to say, well, how do we know we're telling the truth? Oh, I'll hear some blood and hear some this and hear some that. And they'll say, well, they don't, still won't believe me. So he'll say, well, the sign is when I leave, um, when you leave Egypt, you'll end up at, the, at Mount Sinai. Well, I don't understand something. Um, they don't believe me now. I mean, I tell them in, the, in three months from now, you'll see everything is okay. It's like, lend me money. I don't trust you. You'll see when I give it back that I'm honest. Yes, <laughs> it's true that I'll see that. My question is, will I live to see that day? Um, so, 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 what it, so that's what he says. Hashem told him, I will give you a certain amount of, of miracles to do now, but the proof will become finalized at that point. I, I want to add two points to that. Moshe wasn't afraid that they're not going to follow him out of Egypt so much. Moshe had a deeper fear. Moshe's fear was that, listen, um, my job is to do something permanent for the Jewish people and to give them the law. That's my job, to give the Torah. To accomplish giving a Torah, which is standing on wobbly legs, is not what I'm set out to do. And if you're not giving me what it takes to make Torah a permanent part, then that's not my calling. I, you, then that's not what I'm supposed to do. You, you, you've, you've, you have designated me to give them a Torah which has to be permanent. And if their basis for belief is wobbly, then it's not going to work. So he said, you're right. What I'm giving you is a temporary footing until we're able to anchor it at Sinai. Um, and, and this is something that really, um, our belief rests on not a person, but on a historical narrative of the personal experience of every single person. No other religion claims that, that there was a personal experience, not a witnessing of miracles, but a personal prophetic experience of everybody um, to, that, to, to, to that fact. And, it, and, that's, and that's something very difficult even to invent. It's, you can say that so-and-so did great miracles, and, and it's easier to invent that. Many, many, many different people have invented it, and some believe, some don't. But to invent that my father and your father and his father, the other's father, everybody, we all saw it, 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 it requires one person to, to call the bluff and say, I, I heard no such thing, and, and Jews are good at, at calling the bluff. And you don't find anywhere in the Torah, and the Torah is pretty, the Torah and, and the Bible, they're pretty open about about Jews being skeptics. They're always busy making trouble. It, it, any any time they can make trouble, they make trouble. We're hungry. We're starving. You take us to no good place. You're not you're not fulfilling a promise. This and that. Nobody nobody got up and said this whole story is nonsense. The Torah is very frank about the criticisms and the skepticism and the and the um, and the and the moaning and groaning of the Jews of the complaint department. But the one thing that the one thing that no one ever said, no, it's not true. We never stood at Sinai. They said it's not true. Take us to Israel. We're just wandering and going no place. God didn't tell you to make Korach to make Aaron high priest. And everything was up for bickering except for that event. Nobody was denying that. There's a there's a there's an old joke. Oh, it's not a joke. It was a true say. There was there was a Hasidic group in in Jerusalem. Um, um, Rebarla group that the 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 the, um, the rabbi who founded the group 
left in his will that his son-in-law should take over, not his son. He, he felt that his son-in-law was very, very, uh, he, he valued his son-in-law greater than his, um, than his son, and he said he should take over. About a few years later, seven, eight years later, his son-in-law announced that his father came to dream, to, to him in a dream, and told him that he should now take over. So, um, the, so obviously, we didn't, didn't uh, you know, there were a lot of snide remarks about it. One remark was, th- that works great. Let let the father-in-law appear in a dream to all the Hasidim, and then it's a done deal. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem is we've got to get him to appear to the to the Hasidim, not to the Rebbe himself, or some other uh, snide remarks were he, he's been dreaming that for seven years. It's not a new dream or something like that. But but the point was you need to get everybody experience, and this is what happened. Um, and then he adds another piece. Every prophet that comes after Moshe, we don't believe him because of the miracle. In other words, it's not the miracle that proves anything. So when a prophet comes along and says, I have a sign, that's not it. And thereby, anytime we'll make any sign, we'll listen. So this is a fascinating way of describing. So somebody comes along and says, why don't you believe in Jay? And I say, he's not a prophet. Well, he's made miracles. I say, no, no. I don't believe in a prophet because of a miracle. I believe in a prophet because Moshe, I believe. That's like my bedrock. I, I've got to anchor it. And Moshe said, if someone comes along and predicts the future, is known to be a big tzaddik, and does not contravene the Torah, he's a prophet. So let's go back to our old marshal. He lent me $100. And he says, listen, when somebody will come to you with a red piece of paper and a gray mark on the red piece of paper, give him the $100. You come along with a red piece of paper and a gray mark on it. And you say, give me a hundred bucks for him. I'm supposed to give it to you. Do I really think it's absolutely foolproof? Maybe you overheard the conversation. You overheard him in a weak moment and, you've, and you made it yourself and it's true. But I'm following his instructions. If, if he lent me a hundred dollars, all I need to do is follow his instructions as per his instructions. And, and therefore, if I follow his instructions, even if you forged it, not my problem. We listen to a prophet not because a miracle or a sign inherently tells me that this man was sent by God. But God told me when you follow through. And one of the important criteria of a prophet is that he does not contravene any laws of the Torah. So when someone comes along and says, I'm a prophet, first thing we have to ask is, Ram says, does he, does he have a track record as being a, a, um, a wise and pious person? If the answer is yes, then number two goes into effect. Number two is, did he, did he predict the future? Did he do some sort of sign? If the answer to that is yes, we say, great. If number three is, what's the nature of his prophecy? If his prophecy is an uprooting of one of the principles of Torah that can't be uprooted, um, 
then then the answer is no, false prophet. So if the person says mitzvahs no longer ever apply, that's called uprooting the Torah, and he's a false prophet, miracles notwithstanding. That's what Moses said. We don't, we don't believe in a prophet. We believe in a prophet as fulfilling the Mosaic law of prophecies. Um, Kimo, he says, he gives the the law is if two if two witnesses come along and they say that this this person did this and he deserves capital punishment are we one thousand percent sure that it's true we we do our best no but what the one thing we're sure is that god said in the torah when witnesses come along and they fulfill the following criteria then you rule that way so this itself becomes God's instruction. So it's no longer our problem. Is he telling the truth or not? If we've followed through on the Torah's um, procedure, then that is becomes prophecy that we must listen to. Gimel, and then he concludes. So let's say a prophet comes along, he does phenomenal miracles, and he wants thereby to deny Moshe, and he says the laws of the Torah no longer exist. Moses has now been overruled. I've taken over from Moses. Um, I'm reorganizing the the Judaism, um, redoing it. We we ain't um, we can't listen to them because miracles don't prove anything and don't say anything in of themselves. They're only as good as the personal experience with Moshe. Moshe's personal experience, well, you know, once we experienced, told us these are the criteria for a prophet. When a Yodim and when somebody does appear, we know So the reason why we know that Jesus' um, miracles are either false or magic, or a trick, or an imagination, is because we know that he's not a prophet. Because what he tried to do was contravene the Torah. Um, whether it was him or whether it was the past, it makes no difference. Um, however, the, the, the exact history of it, whether he thought of himself as a prophet to overturn Torah, or he himself wanted to keep Torah, and it was the, and it was the apostles, it makes a difference. The story as such is, we know for sure, is false. He says the difference between, um, you know, if we were evaluating miracles against miracles, we could say which is a fancy miracle. But if we're evaluating miracle versus versus um, versus testimony versus direct experience, there's nothing to... Let's give a simple muscle. Imagine Sherlock Holmes comes to, to court and with his big magnifying glass and three threads and a, and a stain and he proves his case and they say, brilliant! And then we have some great lawyer, I don't know, Perry Mason was in my days, I don't know, the, who, who, who's, the, who's the movie lawyer these days, the TV lawyer, and he brilliantly defends the other. So my question is, as sitting on the jury, hmm, is it going to be um, this, this brilliant analysis or is it going to be this brilliant, this brilliant defense? And we're going to have to weigh which one is more brilliant, who has more shreds of evidence. 
But if I, but, but let's say somebody comes along and says, by the way, guys, there was a video there, and let me show you the video. And neither of those two are brilliant, are relevant. I mean, Sherlock Holmes' analysis might be brilliant, but, but, but it's wrong. Or Mason's defense might be brilliant, but it's wrong. It doesn't make a difference. Seeing the event is a whole different... And that's why in law, there's a very clear distinction between circumstantial evidence or direct testimony. Um, sometimes circumstantial evidence might be so strong that would think a witness is lying. But, but if the witness is telling the truth, so, 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 so we say, well, Muhammad did great miracles. That's fine. But that's a very different level, even if we'll accept the, even if we'll accept the fact of the miracle, but, but, um, but, but this was a direct experience of us. We're comparing direct experience to, to, to um, you know, it's like two people, imagine two people arguing about the merits of communism. And you can go back and forth on it. If a guy lived in communist Russia, he'll tell you, you know, the, the, the arguments are brilliant. I lived there. Now let me tell you exactly what it's like. Um, my, my, my father actually had it's fascinating how the world I, I mean I don't think we appreciate now because everybody realized how bad communism was and how terrible but the leading intellectuals and minds of the, in the 30s and the 40s and the 20s were, were communists and my father was in the, in the DP camps after the war and he went through the whole war, through the you know, for, for the, he he did the whole war, the ghetto concentration camp and, and DP camps, and what he um, and one of the things so after at, at at the at the DP camps, the Jews had a few options where to go to. If you were able to get into America, if you had a visa, you go to America. You could be repatriated. You could go to Israel, but there was no going to Israel. Though you had to sort of illegally sneak into Israel. You could be repatriated to your country of origin, or you. Russia was the father and mother of all orphans and homeless people. And they absorbed everybody. So you could choose. Those were. The, so my father was in a camp, the English camp, and there was this huge. There were communists in the camp. And they said Russia is the only place to go to. That's where everything is wonderful and fantastic, and we've suffered from fascism. And my father would argue with them, you're going from one hell to another hell. Why would you want to do that? And they said, the religious people don't understand the world anymore, don't know, know, know nothing about progress and, and, and the new world and so on and so forth. And there was no use arguing. And, um, and on a certain day, the Russian army was supposed to come with trucks and pick up, pick up the, the people that registered to go to Russia. And a few days before, somebody snuck back who had gone to Russia, and he said, my God, stay away from there. He said, as soon as you get to the border, the first thing is they take away all your stuff. The gods take away everything you own, and it's, and it's downhill from that point. So he said, like everybody was frightened. They and on the on the appointed day, they came with the trucks with loud music, and everybody who was supposed to go to Russia was hiding someplace, and the, and the commander of the camp said, nobody needs to um, be afraid. If you don't want to go, even register to go and so on. But people didn't until someone hadn't come back and said, let me tell you what it's like. It wasn't, you know, in in arguing and logic, you go back and forth on it. So he says, um, 
Imagine witnesses come along and they testify on something that you saw that's not it. He doesn't, he's not going to listen to them. He's going to know that they are false witnesses. And that's why the Torah told you, if even if there's a prophet that brings miracles, don't listen to that prophet. He's coming through some circumstantial evidence, through a miracle, to try and deny what your person experienced. And the only reason why we're willing to accept a miracle or a sign as, as a valid proof is because Moses said so. Um, how can we possibly accept a sign or miracle which come to deny Moses' prophecy? So the Rambam is in a very, very important, uh, uh, a very, very important uh, uh, chapter. The Rambam says that the belief in Moshe is in the nature of direct experience. And that is of an order different than miracles. And therefore, whenever we have a contradiction between miracle and and uh, and and uh, and a and in our personal experience, there's no comparison. It's a very different type of evidence. It's just like if we have the video, we know it's not been tampered with. Even if we find uh, all sorts of clues that might point otherwise, this is seeing and this is conjecture. Um, Moshe's experience is the experience of us together with Moshe is seeing, and therefore that becomes the bedrock for our belief in Moshe and Torah. Any other prophet is valid because Moshe gave us, different, we're leveraging off Moshe and saying, since he and his personal experience got the Torah, and the Torah says do this and this and this, we accept a prophet that comes on those on the condition the Torah gave. Anyone who comes to abrogate Moshe's prophecy through miracles is, 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 um, is standing on, on, on weak ground because all we have from him is a miracle and from Moshe we have his first experience. Okay, so we'll hold it here.